Quest Community Church, living life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. I'll have you know that this morning was very difficult for me because one of my passions is talking about the Holy Spirit. I get so fired up about him that I could go on for a good eight to ten hours without taking a breath. However, I'm sure, as I told the first service, some of you probably have dinner plans that you'll need to make. So I'm trying to keep it condensed to 37 minutes and 26 seconds, according to that clock. And, uh, well, let's just see how it goes. (laughs) Just to let you know a tidbit, I wrote this sermon four times, and every sermon had a completely different version of what is going to be shared this morning. My husband can tell you, how's it going? I'm on a new one. Okay. (laughs) One of the things about the Holy Spirit is when you start to allow him to move in your life and start to understand that how much he loves you and his purpose and his role in your life, you just want more. You want so much more. And one of my sermons I was going to share with you was a good hour and a half of different adventures that we shared together that have changed my life forever. But that's not what the Lord wanted. So we went on to a different one of learning, okay, the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and now. That's not what the Lord wanted either. I was to bring it back to the basics. So for those of you who have been serving the Lord for some time or have been walking with the Holy Spirit for some time, and this seems a little elementary to you, I apologize, but I trust that the Holy Spirit is still going to speak to you and give you manna. When you were a kid and you were in high school going to math class, um, you learned how to plus, I guess add is what you guys call it here on this side of the border, Uh, you learned how to minus, then you learn how to do Uh, fractions, different things like that. And I've learned that if you miss one small step in that learning, you're really stumbling through the rest of it trying to figure it out because there was a piece that was missing. So I believe the heart of the Holy Spirit this morning of what I'm supposed to share is filling in any of those small pieces that you may have missed or misunderstood that have made your walk with Christ a whole lot more difficult than it needed to be. So with that said, there were two families. And they lived side by side each other. And one owned a Rottweiler dog, a beautiful dog, very hyper, very excited. However, on the other side of the chain link fence was another family. And they owned a fuzzy little white bunny that they kept a cage in the backyard. Now, this caused some tensions because every time the Rottweiler went outside, he would pace back and forth on that chain link fence going, I want to get to know my fuzzy bunny next door. So there was tension always between the families. Well, one day the owner of the dog was out or washing dishes and she's looking out the window and she realizes there's something in the mouth of her dog. So she runs outside and sure enough, it's a dead bunny. Well, she's horrified. So she takes the rabbit, she comes into the house and she's going, this is going to divide us forever. I've tried to be the best neighbor possible. I always want to get along well with everybody. I do a lot of good things for everybody. But this is going to cause a major division between our families. And we may even have to have our dog put down because of it. Unless I find a backup plan. If I get this rabbit back in their cage before they get home from work, they won't know that it was my dog that killed it. I think that's what I'll do. So she goes to put it back and realizes the thing is covered in dirt and grass and now dog slobber. I'll wash it first. So she takes it into the kitchen and she starts to hose it down. And it's like, okay, well, now it's clean. But now it's a very soggy dead bunny. 
So she gets out her blow dryer and starts to blow dry him and brush it now. And now it's a beautiful white, still dead bunny. But now she sneaks over to the neighbor's yard, puts it back into the cage, and quickly comes back home before the neighbors come home. Well, that night, there's a knock at the door. She opens up the door, and sure enough, it's the neighbor lady standing there with a dead rabbit in her hands. So she's playing it cool. Oh, is it okay? No, actually, it's dead. Oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I know how much that rabbit meant to you and your family. Is there anything I can do? She said, no, you don't understand. It's dead. She goes, yes, I can see that. Well, what you don't understand is the rabbit died last week. We buried it, and now it's back. Many Christians in their walk will find themselves being one or both of these neighbors. (laughs) Let me explain. You may be the one trying really hard to live a good life. I want to get along well with everybody. I'm a hard worker for God. I'm always being about the business, trying to keep a clean slate. But no matter how much you try, things still keep unraveling, despite your best efforts. Or you may be the neighbor on the other side of the fence who is trying to bury things about your past or maybe even your present, and lo and behold, they keep crawling out of the crypt and showing up in your backyard again. That's exactly what happens when a believer of Christ is trying to live the Christian life and do the Christian walk apart from the Holy Spirit. When I was first saved, I I realized that I spent a lot of years in church and didn't hear much about the Trinity and didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. My corrupt view of the Trinity was this. God was this huge mass in the sky, and he was angry all the time. Not sure what he was angry at, but I'm pretty sure I had something to do with it. As angelic as I was, Jesus must have done something really bad if his own dad kicked him out of heaven to to come down here to be murdered and then go back. And then the Holy Spirit, well, you see, the thing is, the term that I grew up with was Holy Ghost. So you have a kid, and you tell him that there's a Holy Ghost. What's the first thing you think of? dead people and i didn't just think of casper i thought of zombies so i'm thinking i'm supposed to get close to this dead zombie thing and pray to it now i lay me down to sleep oh i don't think so as time went on i started to realize that my mother corrected me the holy ghost is not a zombie he's more of an informer which didn't help me much because this is the picture i got when i thought of the holy spirit that was him As far as I was concerned, he worked for, like, the IRS. He walked around with a little clipboard writing down everything I ever said wrong, did wrong, all the times I lied, all the times I made my brother mad and my mom didn't know about it. I thought he was a snitch. And then the snitch would run to God and say, See, look at all these things that she's done. She's a bad seed. She's bad to the core. Don't waste your time on this one. Move on. Find somebody better. She's just not worth it, God. I am so excited to tell you that nothing I believed could have been further from the truth. When I started to find out more about the Holy Spirit, I fell so in love. I want to spend the next few minutes laying some foundation about the Trinity and the Holy Spirit and the role that the Holy Spirit was created to play in our lives. I'm going to do you a little diagram here. Okay, the first thing that I got really tripped up on for a lot of years was the whole Trinity thing. We're three in one. I couldn't grasp that. So one time, a pastor friend of mine told me of a teaching he heard, and he explained it like this. Okay, we have the sun. Not Jesus, it's in the big ball of light in the sky. So we have the sun. That's God. 
And then we have light coming out of that. Aren't you glad I'm not your Sunday school teacher who's teaching your kids how to draw? That's Jesus. Jesus is the light. And then you have the power that comes from the heat. And that's the Holy Spirit. So they're, in fact, three different... They're one entity. Because you can't have the light without the ball of sun. You can't have the power of the sun without the light. They all work in union. They're a perfect unity. So we have the Trinity. And it goes like this. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, Scripture tells us that God is seated on the throne. We find that in Psalm 47. Jesus is where? At the right hand of God. We find that in Matthew 26. And the Holy Spirit dwells within the believers. And we find that also in Scripture in 1 Corinthians. Well, now there's us. Where do we fit into this? Here we are. We are also a three-part. We are body, soul, and spirit. Now, this body, which is your flesh, despite how much Botox you put in it, despite how many vitamins you take, despite how well you live, this flesh is dying daily. We can all agree on that? The soul is your mind, oops, mid, mind, your will, and your emotions. This is our thinking. And then the spirit is dormant until we ask Christ to come and live within us. When we give our lives to Christ, the very first thing that happens, and it's immediate for everybody, there's no pre-qualifying, it's an automatic. The Holy Spirit comes and lives and reigns in our spirit. And the beautiful thing is, God is perfect. Jesus is perfect. Therefore, it only makes sense that the Holy Spirit is also perfect. Agree? If the Holy Spirit has come to live on the inside of you, guess what that makes you? A third of you is perfect. That's a beautiful revelation. A third of you is already absolutely perfect. But then usually comes the next question. Well, if it's so perfect, (laughs) why am I struggling with sin? Why are there things in my life that no matter how many times I bury them, they keep coming back? Why am I not living in that perfect life? That is an excellent question. Because the answer is that although your spirit is made perfect instantly upon salvation, your mind, your will, and your emotions go through a process of being renewed daily. And the only way that happens is that this, the the mind, the will, and emotions, need to die daily to itself. Paul said that I must decrease so that he can increase. And this is what he was talking about. So often Christians are trying to live their entire Christian life out of their soul. And it's just not going to work. It was never designed to work that way, and it will never work that way. So here's some encouragement. If this is where you've been, i got good news for you today. You've been doing it all wrong. But the better news is there's a way you can do it to bring success, and that's what today is all about. So who is the Holy Spirit that's living on the inside of us, and what role does he play in our lives? A lot of people will focus on Jesus and what he did at the cross, But somehow we seem to leave out the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, the greatest truth about the Holy Spirit, of course, can be found in Scripture. And some of the most wonderful nuggets you will find is in John's chapter 14, 15, and 16. Jesus constantly is talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus spoke uh, about the Holy Spirit often to his disciples. And in John 14, verse 16, we have a slide here. this, This is starting in the last hours of Jesus' life with his disciples. This is the conversation that he's having with them. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. That he will be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So Jesus is saying that he's going to go to his dad and he's going to ask his dad to send us a helper. Because he knows that we cannot live this Christian life on our own. And the helper, who is the Holy Spirit, of course, will be with us forever. I love that. He's with you forever. Sean was saying about your love never gives up. Your love never fails. So despite how many things that you're trying and failing, if you've been asked by God to do it, even if you think it falls flat on its face, it's okay. His love never fails. It never gives up. And he never gives up on you. So he carries on to say, that he is the spirit of truth and that he'll be with us forever. And he abides with us and he abides in us, which means he is that voice on the inside of you that is telling you, even before you're saved, come this way. Come this way. We, we call it a conscience. But before you're saved and you're feeling, mm, I shouldn't be doing that or mm, I should be doing this, what that is is that's the Holy Spirit wooing you to him. Because whenever he woos you to him, he'll point you to Jesus, who points you to the Father. Once you become saved, it becomes a whole new ballgame. Because he goes, well, now you're mine, and I am yours. And I'm going to lead you, and I'm going to teach you in truth. I think that's great, because there's a lot of non-truth that's out there today. Verse 25 goes on to say, These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name... He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And again, Jesus is clarifying who the Holy Spirit is and what he will do with us and through us. He's our helper. He will teach us all things. He will remind us of truth, truth of who God is and truth of who we are in him. And he'll be our peace. All of this we have at our disposal every moment of every single day. But yet we don't tap into it. And I think mostly it's because we didn't know how. Or we didn't know that it was there. John 15, 26 goes on to say, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And again, Jesus is clarifying that the Holy Spirit is our helper. Are you getting this? When somebody keeps telling you, my name is so-and-so and this is what I do. Five minutes later, they come up to you, my name is so-and-so and this is what I do. Third time, my name is so-and-so and this is what I do. This is all in the same conversation. What have you figured out? Their name is so-and-so and this is what they do. This is important. And that's what Jesus is saying. I'm sending you a helper because you're going to need a helper. But you can trust this helper because he never strays from the truth. He is truth. 
He doesn't just give you truth. He is truth. And he'll be with you forever, abiding in you and walking beside you. That's who I'm sending. I love this. Okay, so focus. John 16, 7 says, But I tell you the truth, it is, not, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Pastor Ross touched on this last week about the sin and righteousness. When the Holy Spirit comes to you before you're saved, what he's doing is he's convicting the world of sin. Not sins, but the sin nature of mankind. That's the wooing. I'm convicting you of sin so I can bring you into truth. Come closer to me. Once we're saved, we are now the righteousness of Christ, whether you feel it or not. And so when the Holy Spirit comes back to us to convict us of righteousness, what he's saying is, why are you doing that? You're not acting like yourself. That's not who you are. You're exploding at people. That's not who you are. I'm coming to convict you to start acting like who you are. You're the righteousness of God. Big difference. Because I think a lot of times we think back to the judge picture where we think the Holy Spirit is here to hammer us anytime we step out of the lines. And that's not true. He's come to remind us again of who we are in Christ, which is perfect. That's how God sees us. So, I love this. There's so much where I want to go, but okay, I'm focusing. So Jesus is telling us that he must leave us, as we just read, because if he stays, he's only one person who can be in one place at one time, and there's still so much that needs to be done. There's so much that needs to be learned. So he says, however, when I go and I take my place at the right hand of the Father, I'll in turn send you the helper, whose truth, the Holy Spirit, and he will equip you in all truth. Now equip you. There's an interesting word. Why would he need to equip you with something? Because you're going to put it into action. You're going to be equipped by God to do things for God, by God. This, of course, took place at Calvary where Jesus was crucified, and then three days later he was raised from the dead and ascended to heaven where he now lives and reigns. So that part is done. We don't need to wait for it to happen anymore. Jesus is our helper, and he did send the helper. Verse 12 continues on to say, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, you get that again? Who is this? He's the spirit of truth. When he comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Does that sound familiar? Jesus said, I can only do what my father tells me to do. And the Holy Spirit is in total union. The Holy Spirit will only speak what Jesus tells him to speak. Again, they're in total unity. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. That seems really wordy, but let me break it down. The Message Bible puts it this way. This is so sweet. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to you. I still have many things to tell you, but you just can't handle them right now. But when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you in all truth that there is. He won't draw attention to himself, but will make sense out of what is about to happen and indeed 
out of all that I have done and said. He will honor me. He will take from me and deliver it to you. Everything the Father has also is mine. That's why I've said he takes from me and delivers to you. To me, that is the most beautiful words I could possibly hear. Hear the Father's heart, first of all, for us. Jesus is saying, I have so much I want to tell you. I have so much I want you to experience. I think these disciples have walked with him and lived with him for three years and experienced things that most of us can't even comprehend. And yet he says to them, there's so much more than what you've seen and what you've experienced. It's more than just raising the dead and casting out demons and speaking in new tongues. There's so much more of that. That's part of it. But that's not even close to half of it. It's learning to yield to me and allowing me to use you in your flawed humanity to bring forth glorious things into this world that will flip it on its head. It's about coming into a living relationship with a living God who absolutely adores you and waits for the moments when you come and sit down and say, let's just hang out together today, Dad. That's what he's looking for. I love this. Notice how he calls the Holy Spirit friend. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus says, I'm going to send you my friend. I'm not going to send you somebody from the corporation. I'm not going to send you a CEO who will debrief you and give you everything you need. I'm going to send you my friend. And this friend has my heart. And he won't speak apart from me because everything I feel, he feels. And everything I love and adore, he loves and adores. So can you see the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and what they share? And the glorious thing is that's the exact same relationship that they want to share with us. I think that's pretty stupendous. God, creator of heaven and earth, wants to be that kind of close with me. Jesus says he will honor me. And even though the Holy Spirit is powerful, the Holy Spirit gently takes what Jesus, what is precious to Jesus, and he hands it to us with grace and mercy, hoping that we will respect and honor and cherish what God is giving to us as much as the Holy Spirit does. So what is it that the Holy Spirit is bringing to us from Jesus? Well, this is wonderful. He's bringing himself. Scripture says that he will bring peace and truth and guidance. Here's the wonderful thing. The Holy Spirit is peace. He is your peace. He's not bringing you healing. He is healing. He's not bringing you truth. He is to truth. And he's living and reigning on the inside of you so that no matter what you're experiencing in life, all you have to do is say, Holy Spirit, show me your truth. This is what my natural eyes see. This is what society is saying is truth. But what do you say is truth? I tell you, there would be so many more families and marriages that would be stable and secure if they listened to the Holy Spirit more than what they listened to themselves and those around them. Do you remember when Jesus was resurrected just before his ascension? He was sitting with the disciples and he given them these next instructions. We read in Acts 1. After his suffering, Jesus presented himself, or he presented himself to them, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised. Who's the gift that was promised? It was the Holy Spirit. 
wait for the gift that my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. When? In the last few chapters. I mean, he just went on and on and on about it. They're probably going, yes, we get it. The help of the truth. Yeah, we get it. So now he was reminding them because now he's already died, been buried, resurrection, and he's standing with them. And he's going, remember when I was talking to you, I told you I was going to send a helper. Well, this is when it's going to happen. You need to wait in Jerusalem for him because the things that I have called and created you to do, you will not be able to do them in your own strength. You must have the Holy Spirit to succeed. And part of our confusion is, is we want to work with the Holy Spirit, but we also want our own bits in there. I know how to do this, God. That's fine. I'll take it from here. You can help with that stuff that I don't know, and you can get everybody else on board with me. But other than that, we can work well as a team. It doesn't work that way. God, I wish it did. My life would have been so much smoother. But no, it's all about him. And it's nothing about us. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives and dwells within us so that the Father's will can be done in us and through us. Jesus was telling the very men who had walked and served and experienced him for three years that before they could begin living the Christian life, they must wait until they have the Holy Spirit because you're not ready to live this life without him. To try and live the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit will lead to frustration. It'll lead to exhaustion. By the way, I'm giving you a personal reference letter here because I've tried all of these. Learn from my mistakes. (laughs) It'll lead to humiliation. It'll lead to stress, guilt, shame, death to your passions, burnout, especially if you have anything to do with ministry. Burnout is a guarantee if you're trying to do ministry apart from the Holy Spirit. And then finally, we just get to the place where we want to throw in the towel and say, you know what? I obviously can't live this Christian life saying, I can't do this. I must be too big of a sinner. And we want to stop. Your lack of effort is not your problem. That's not our problem. It's the lack of allowing the Holy Spirit to move in your life. That's the problem. We're trying to obtain in the flesh what can only be obtained in the Spirit. And every time we move into the Spirit, any time we move back into this realm of mind, will, and emotions, you are going to get frustrated. And that's never going to change. And this does not bear the fruit that living in the Spirit produces so quite often even though we kind of hear okay yeah we need the holy spirit what we'll try and do is we'll try and stir him up a little i'm going to pray a little more today i'm going to speak in tongues today am i empowered yet okay i'm good i spoke for five minutes i'm going to go out and i'm going to do the things that i feel god is calling me to do the only clue is, is you didn't ask the Holy Spirit, am I supposed to be doing these things today? We just figured, God, I'll help you because I know you're pretty busy. Let me just help you with these things here. And then the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and goes, I, I really don't want you working on that today. I really actually just want you to pick up the phone and call this person I keep putting on your mind for the last five days. And what do we do? We say, not now, God. I'm a little busy. I'm putting together the church bulletin. Because, you know, the church is not going to function without the bulletin this week. I will get to that later. Or we blow it off. And yet the heart of the Father is, this person is in crisis right now, and they need to hear that I love them and that I'm here for them and that they're not alone. So many times after we go through a season of craziness of trying to perform in the flesh, 
for the Holy Spirit and only coming out with nothing working. We'll start to ask some questions, and some of them may be, maybe my best just isn't good enough. Maybe I'm not even saved. Maybe that's why it's not working. I mean, the guy who's next to me, I mean, he's doing all these fabulous things, and things seem to be rolling for him. Maybe God's mad at me. Or am I doing enough? I'll get busy. I'll join a few more things, and I'll try and do a few more things for God. For God. I'm going to do these things for God. And, of course, that's not working. So then we think, well, maybe I'm just doing the things in the wrong place. I'll switch churches. So we pack up and we move to a different church and we start the cycle all over again. And off we go. When the solution isn't trying harder, moving faster. Hear me. The solution is not trying harder and moving faster. First of all, try harder to what? First of all, usually we're trying to gain the favor of God. You already have it. Stop trying to get it. And as for the favor of man, God says... If you follow me, that will automatically fall into place. So don't waste your time trying to pursue that. I so love him. Okay, sorry. (laughs) It's not a matter of trying harder, move faster. It all comes down to two things, relationship and truth. You being in relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, because you can't love one and not love the other. They're one. You may not know one or two of the other but you can't separate them they're just like the sun you can't hide the ball and not have the light the light is going to be wherever the ball is and the heat's going to be wherever the light is you can't separate them did you know that nowhere in the bible does god say that it's our responsibility to live the christian life now the first time i heard somebody say that i just wanted to smack them and say blasphemy So I went to the scriptures and I started looking. And they were right. Nowhere in scripture does it tell you that it's the Christian responsibility to live the Christian life. It's the work of the Holy Spirit living and moving through us. Our responsibility is to yield to him. And we keep getting it backwards. We want to earn his love. We want to earn his grace. We want to earn the power We want to earn the relationship, and you can't. It's just simply accepting, just like salvation. You didn't earn your salvation, no matter how much you think you earned it. It was a gift. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit moving through you. Moment by moment, day by day, decision by decision, simply allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you to complete the work that God has begun in you and that he wants to accomplish throughout your life. Otherwise, it's our flesh trying to produce fruit. But it's fruit of the flesh, not fruit of the spirit. It's not your responsibility to do the spirit life. Hear me, please. It is not your responsibility to do the spirit life. It's your responsibility to yield to his leading. Apart from that, you will only fail. And there's so much God has created each and every one of us to do for him to glorify him, to bring honor to him that is so far outside our own natural realm of me, me, me. And we'll never accomplish it as long as we're trying to do it our way. Jesus said in John fifteen five, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. We forget that. He says, you need to abide in me. I'm the vine and you are the branch. If the branch isn't connected to the vine, it's not going to produce anything. The glorious thing is when the vine and the branch are connected, it's still not the branch who produces anything. It's the vine and the life that comes out of the vine that goes through the branch, and God just lets us in on the party. Isn't that beautiful? You don't make the fruit. He does. It's his fruit. And yet we try and ignore and worse yet control him, which only limits his power and frustrates our lives. Sean, if you and your band like to come up. In closing, I'd like to take a moment and ask you to close your eyes. Galatians 5 speaks of the fruit of the Spirit, which is what John, or was written in John, I am the vine, you are the branches. You will bear much fruit. This is the fruit he's talking about. Simply put, when we allow the Holy Spirit to move through our lives, to rule and reign with us, we will have the fruit of joy. We'll have the fruit of love, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want you to take a moment and look over the life that you are living right now. Where are you not experiencing this fruit? Just take a minute. If you're not getting anything, ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, is there some place where I'm doing it in the flesh rather than in the spirit? It may be in your job, in your marriage, in your singlehood. It may be in your daily living. It may be in your walk with God. These are the areas that unless you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and take over in leading you and teaching you and empowering you, you will continue to be defeated. And that's not what God wants for you. Now, with those areas in mind, if you're ready to give up your control of them, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But to kind of give you a visual of what's happening, imagine your body is like a castle. And inside that castle, there's a hundred doors, and every door has a key, and you hold the keychain. Whatever door is closed is the door that you've kept closed from the Holy Spirit. You've said, that's okay, I can handle this one. You can work on the one down the hall. We shut the Holy Spirit out of certain areas of our lives, out of woundedness, out of fear, out of fear of rejection, fear of failure. There's so many reasons why. But if you're ready to ask the Holy Spirit into those places in your heart and hand him the keys... Say this prayer with me. Father, thank you for showing me where I've been trying to live my life and my own strength, my own wisdom and power. Forgive me for the places that I have shut you out of. And Holy Spirit, in accordance to your promise of who you are, I ask you to please come into these areas of my life and take control. I surrender these things unto you. And I will trust that as scripture promised, you will take me by the hand and lead me in all truth truth of who you are and truth of who I am in you. I choose to keep my eyes on you, staying connected to the vine. Thank you for making me the person God has created me to be. In Jesus' name. 
there may be some people here that have never even heard of the Holy Spirit or the Trinity. All of this is new. They don't even know much about Jesus. But there was someone, the Holy Spirit, who has been prompting you and drawing you close. And today may be the first day that you've ever sat in the church or have actually even heard the message for the first time if you sat in church your whole life. If that's you, I want to encourage you to just ask the Holy Spirit to come and make himself known to you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of all of the mistakes I've made. Thank you for making it possible that I can be one with you apart from my effort. Jesus said in John 10.10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so many times I think we try to limit that to finances when that's really not what he's saying. If every area of your life has joy and peace and kindness and goodness and self-control in it, I think that's an abundant life. No stress. No fear. How many times did Jesus say, do not fear, do not be afraid? When you have the fruit, there's no fear. There's no need to be afraid because you're not in control anymore. And the one who is in control loves you more than you can even fathom. The Message Bible puts that verse this way. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. So, Father God, we as your children come before you. And we ask that you help us obtain the life by choosing to yield to the Holy Spirit moment by moment, decision by decision, day by day. That you be our all in everything. Remind us that we already have everything we need to live this victorious life in Christ. And we give you all praise, all honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Join us at Quest as we walk with one another in friendship while discovering the reality and goodness of God together. For more information and service times, visit us online at go to quest.org.